Okay, and the story begins. All right. We are starting a very exciting part of the sitter. Up until now, we've been doing the, the morning blessings, the preliminary blessings. At this point, right after the blessings of the Torah is when one would put on tzitzis or uh, would one put on the talis and the tefillin, but we're not going to get into that now. We might get into it later. The Chabad tradition anyway is to put it on at a later point. So we might discuss it then. We'll talk about it there soon. But now starts a new section of preliminary prayers. The meat of prayer did not formally start yet. This is still the preliminary part of prayer, which often is recited at home or at shul, but by ourselves. And it starts with the following, page 12. Top of the page. Where it says... I hereby take upon myself the mitzvah, love your fellow man as yourself. This is how we start off davening. Before we attempt to fall in love with God, before we go out on a date with God, which is what davening is, connect with God, let's first accept and embrace his people. You know the story, Hasidim were once debating what is more important, the love of God or the love of each other, love your fellow. Which is what They're both mitzvahs in the Torah, but which is more important? So they asked the Alter Rebbe, they asked Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the, the author of the Tadjah, he said, I don't really understand the question. Why are they two different things? Okay, technically, they're two different mitzvahs, but they're one and the same. If you love God, you're going to love his people. When was this added to the Siddur? This doesn't appear in all versions of the Siddur. I don't know for sure that it appears in all Ashkenazic versions of the Siddur. I'm trying to find if I have one. I don't know. I don't believe it appears. You mean like the art scroll? Yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's in the art scroll. Let's quickly have one. Happen to have one here. Yeah, I have an art scroll. It, 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 might, it actually might, so I don't want to start saying things that aren't necessarily true. Should have looked this up earlier, huh? It, I don't believe it's in this article, Sitter. It might be in others. It doesn't appear in all versions of the Sitter because it was added at a later point. It was encouraged to be recited by the Arizal, or by Isaac Luria, the famed Kabbalist, of, uh, lived in about the 1500s, maybe late 1400s. No, 1500s. He lived in northern Israel, lived in Sfat. And those who have a sitter that follows Kabbalistic tradition, which for the most part, I don't believe the Ashkenaz does, does not follow Kabbalistic tradition. The Sephardic uh, versions and Chabad and Hasidic versions usually do. Those who follow Kabbalistic tradition in their prayers will include that in their prayer. But take, take a look. I'm going to share my screen here because I found this to be fascinating. Hold on. Who's been to Israel by raise of hands? You've all been to Israel. Okay. You've been to Tzfat? Uh, when I was a young kid. So okay, effectively, so I haven't been in so long. Yeah. In Tzfat is the Arizal, Rabbi Isaac Luria's grave. He's buried in, Ari in Tzfat. Anybody been there before to his grave? That would be a definite maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too long ago. 
I don't remember. <laughs> Here, here's what his grave looks like. I'm going to share the picture on the screen. And those listening, um, I'll just read it. It's the Arizal's grave. It's his tomb. And on the tomb, it says the Ari HaKodesh, which is the Arizal, the Holy Arizal. And then it reads over here, Alpidivre Arizal. I'll translate according to the words of the Arizal. Tov lekabel alav. It's good to accept upon oneself. Lehov kol adam Israel To love every single Jew. Lifnei hatzfila before prayer. Vyomer zot and say this, belev shalom with a full heart. Quote, this is literally inscribed on his grave. Right, the text essentially of what it says here in the sitter over here by accept upon myself, mitzvah say the positive precept, shall love your fellow as yourself. And then there's another line, I love every single one of Israel, like my soul with my might. This is literally what the Arizal had inscribed on his own grave. And when? When did he pass away? Somewhere in the 1500s. I'm so bad that, with date, with, date, with exact that, dates. But... That's 600 years old. Sorry? That inscription that you just showed us yeah. that's 600 years old? Yeah. Wow. It's got to be, yeah. He instituted saying this in, in, in Davening, as part of Davening. And the, you know, it makes sense according to Kabbalah. If a person is spiritual... <laughs> Is soul oriented. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna feel. You're gonna love other people. What does this have to do with davening? It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's something we should do. You know, you know, love your fellow is a is a fundamental mitzvah. Hillel, the the great sage, said it's the entire Torah. The rest is commentary. Rabbi Akiva said it's a it's a general principle in Torah. It's fundamental to Judaism. It is. But why is it relevant to davening? Why are we sticking it in the Siddur? There's a lot of fundamental things of Judaism that we don't just randomly stick in the Siddur because it happens to be fundamental to Judaism. What does it have to do with prayer? And if it is fundamental to Judaism and Siddur is, you know, you're saying it anyway, so that's it. So stick it in at the end <laughs> or stick it in at the beginning. What is it doing here? We're going to have three explanations, and they're all related. So I don't want to say it's necessarily three angles as much it is, as it is three, three steps in understanding what davening is and how to approach prayer, how to approach davening. And my hope is that at the end of the uh, next little, however long we're going to be here together, when we recite this in the morning, this line, it's going to have a whole new meaning and it's going to infuse our davening, the rest of davening, with a whole new energy. That is my hope. Um, but that part is, is up to us on an individual level if we're going to think about it. <laughs> okay, number one. This question was actually asked by Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson was the father-in-law of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he was the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he asked his father, what is this doing here? Why does it belong here? So 
his father answered him that parents who have more than one child love when their children get along. We all know this. When we see our children getting along, there's an incredible sense of nachas. How do we translate nachas? You know, Sammy Davis Jr. used to say nachas, baby. That's it. That's just no translation. There's an incredible sense of nachas, of satisfaction, of, of, of just pleasure that parents have when their children are getting along. When our children, especially when they're older, I can't tell you that experientially. I guess I could tell you as a sibling, but when parents see their children getting along, there's an incredible sense. Uh, parent, uh, can't even describe it. We're about to approach God as a parent. Right? When we study Torah, we treat God as a teacher. We listen. When we pray, God is like a parent. We're engaging our heart. Before we start asking for our needs, let's give God a little nachas. Let's get along with our siblings, with our Jewish brethren. Now we can walk into davening and start asking for our needs, whether it be spiritual or material. And God is happy with us. He's happy with the Jewish people. It says in Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, that when a person prays individually, your prayers may or may not uh, be accepted. Hopefully they will be. I'm sure all of, your, all of yours will be. But when a person prays with a minion, you have the power of a minion, you have the energy of a minion, and your prayers are automatically accepted, are automatically heard, whatever that means. Um, when we accept upon ourselves to love other people prior to praying, we're essentially saying we're not alone. We're with other people. We're giving that element of energy that praying with a minion has, even to our individual prayers, because we're connecting with other people. We have a tzibor. We have a congregation, a Jewish congregation, a global Jewish congregation. Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the Altar of taught that love your fellow. This is quoted in Hayom Yom. John, you'll tell us which date. <laughs> Because um, I, I don't remember, but it's quoted in Hayom Yom that love your fellow is the entryway to prayer. The gate with which we enter to pray to God, to walk into his chamber, the key, if you will, the door, is love your fellow. It's a prerequisite to prayer. It really is. It's not, this isn't just a random, oh, it's a beautiful line, let's stick it in our prayers. It actually is quite relevant to prayer because it's a prerequisite. Pre, I'll say that six times fast. Pre, help me out here. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Prerequisite. To prayer. There we go. Whew. Okay, that's number one. Before we move on to number two, any questions, thoughts, reflections? Controversy. Uh, controversy. So, so one thing you said, um, uh, which made me feel a little uh, unsteady, was that... Um, you know, when you're with a minion, your prayers are automatically heard. Um, but like currently, you know, it, I'm not in a place where I can get to a minion 
And so I pray at home. So uh, in terms of like my prayers being heard, I, I'm hopeful that Hashem is hearing my prayers. I could tell you this. I feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? I definitely feel for you. Um, but but and what we're saying here, though, is taking this mitzvah of love your fellow prior to prayer has an element of minion to it. It's not the same as diving with a minion, but it has that element of I'm with other people. I'm not in this alone. I'm not in this relationship alone. Make sense? It has the element of a congregation, um, not together in a minion where you can't dive in certain parts that you would with that with a minion. But the spiritual element of the minion is there when you love your fellow prior to prayer. So can I use that to argue why I'd rather just rely on that line than drive 50 miles round trip to a minion? You know, the, the, the Rebbe used to say, if good is good, then better is better. <laughs> the thing I love here, where I am now, I only have to go about eight miles to Minion, but I have to get up at very early in the morning for it. Right. Right. No, I get it. I get it. Number two. Number two, what is this doing before prayer? What is this line doing here? Mitzvahs must be done with joy. But specifically prayer. Prayer must be done with joy. You got to pray with joy, with simcha. There is an element of seriousness to prayer, of solemnness, if you will. You're about to approach the king. But that doesn't contradict the need to experience joy in prayer. I'm talking with God. I have an opportunity to converse with God. I have an opportunity to work on my relationship. I have an opportunity to ask for things that I need. And I have an opportunity to meditate and become more conscious and aware of my soul, which is essentially what the framework of the sitter is doing. It's giving this guided meditation. So I have to have joy. Where does true joy come from? True joy comes from the soul. True joy means I am comfortable not with what I have, although I should be, but I'm comfortable with who I am deep down inside. When I'm soul-oriented, I could experience real joy. Think about our Tanya discussions that we've had. The first 31 chapters of Tanya, uh, if you had to sum it up in one sentence, <laughs> what are the first 31 chapters of Tanya telling us? Become soul-oriented. Okay, there's various ways of doing that, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through reflecting on the innate love that we already have, whether it's through um, various different avenues. But the point is, become soul-oriented. Right, The soul should be the paradigm for which I view life. Or at least the paradigm through, through which I would like to view life. If I'm not viewing life from that paradigm, not a tzaddik, at least I want to look at life through the paradigm of the soul. I want to be soul-oriented. That's 
up until chapter 31. So then what happens in chapter 32 of Tanya? The lev of Tanya, the heart of Tanya. Love your fellow. Because if I'm soul-oriented, the natural reaction to that, you love your fellow. Because your soul will connect to other souls. Bodies don't connect the same way souls do. If we're, the, the way you love your fellow, the way you fulfill the mitzvah of love your fellow, is through being soul-oriented. That's what davening is. This line fits in right well, quite well. We're about to recite the sitter. We're about to daven. We're about to become more soul-oriented. What would indicate if I davened properly? What, was, what would be the great, greatest indication that my davening was fully internalized if I become more sensitive to other people? So before we even begin davening and begin working soul-oriented, we're essentially stating our goal here. My goal here is to become more soul-oriented. My goal in opening this book, this sitter, is to become more soul-oriented. To love my fellow as myself. There's the story, we've mentioned the story in the past, but I'm going to say it again because I love it. The Al-Tarebbe, Rabbi Shneur Zaman of the Adi, was praying on Yom Kippur. In general, his davening was, he was known to be on fire when he would daven. He was in a trans state. He was in a different world. And nothing else existed. There was just him and God. To the point that he would get into this trance, if you will, where he would say, God, I don't want heaven. <laughs> I don't want the world to come and paradise. I just want you. It would be like a, a spouse telling their husband or wife, I, I, it's not about your looks. It's not about what you can give me or how you make me feel. It's just about you. I love you. This is what he said to God. That was his davening. So you can imagine what his davening was like on the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. Right? Imagine what his davening was like on Yom Kippur. Yet, mysteriously, he slips off his talus and his kittel and he leaves the shul. Nobody knows where he went. He comes back later that evening. I think it was that evening. Where were you? <laughs> We didn't know if we should wait for you or not. So he said there was a lady in the outskirts of town who had just given birth. There was nobody to take care of her. So he went to feed her. He went to chop firewood for her, to give her warmth, to give her food, to cook. You don't see Jews cooking on Yom Kippur <laughs> or chopping firewood on Yom Kippur. Activities that are prohibited on holidays, especially the, hol the holy of holidays, the holy of holies. He had, to, he had to save a life. There's no choice. He had to save a life, and he did it. But the fascinating thing is not so much that he was willing to break the holiday to save somebody. How did he know that somebody was in pain? How did he know that somebody needed him? His davening really meant something to him. He became sensitive through his davening. He became soul-oriented through his davening to the point that he sensed somebody else's pain. The Rebbe once commented at a Febreg and that he, this was not an interruption of davening. This was the purpose of davening. Become more soul-oriented. And if I'm soul-oriented, I'm going to love my fellow. We're essentially stating the goal of prayer before we start. Mission statement. 
I'm taking upon myself to love my fellow as myself. I'm about to become soul-oriented. Now I can truly uh, uh, fulfill that command. Okay. Any questions, comments, or reflections before we move on to the next, move on to number three? Okay. Number three. In order to pray properly, you have to be complete. You have to be wholesome. Look at it this way. The entire Jewish population. What is the Jewish population? 13, 14, 15 million. 15 million? We are not 15 million individual Jews. We are one people. We're one body of people. We are literally one body of people. Unfortunately, you see this when tragedy strikes. It, it's not unfortunate that you see it. It's unfortunate that tragedy has to make us see it. But take a look just at what's happening in Ukraine. The amount of displaced Jews, Jews that are in harm's way. And you have other Jews that are helping saving refugees, donating to save refugees, being present at Ground Zero to help smuggle out refugees. Oh, you think these people know each other? <laughs> they don't know each other. They just know that they're Jewish and we got to help our brothers. Ukraine is the third largest, or was, the third largest Jewish community in the whole of Europe. The largest Chabad center in the world is in Ukraine. It's like a seven-story community center that looks like a, it's a huge, you can look it up online afterwards. It's the Menorah Center in a city that I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the reason why I'm saying that is there's so many Jews it's not like they all know each other it's not a small shtetl where oh I know you of course everybody's helping each other because that's what we do we're family we're literally family the Talmud one of the reasons before Mike you mentioned the shekel <laughs> count the Jews so one of the reasons why we do a half shekel. Why Moses used a half shekel to count the Jews? Why not a full shekel? There's a variety of explanations among the commentaries, five, six, seven different explanations amongst commentaries, why Moses was instructed to count specifically with a half shekel, not a full shekel. I read an explanation by Rabbi Shlomo Alkovitz. Rabbi Shlomo Alkovitz was the author of the Lechadodi prayer. He was also a student of the Arizal that we've mentioned earlier. And he explains that the reason why we got to give a half a shekel is because we have to realize that we're only half. We're only a part. To become whole, you have to connect to another Jew. You need two shekels. Otherwise, we're only part. Uh, we're only part of. Uh, we're only part of the picture. We're incomplete by ourselves. The Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, gives an analogy. It's a famous analogy. Person is. A carpenter is banging in a nail with a hammer, and he accidentally strikes his hand. He's in pain. He's not going to take revenge on his hand with this stricken hand. <laughs> you hit my hand, I'll hit you back. Nobody would do that. Doesn't make any sense. Why? 
He's one person. As Jewish people, there's a prohibition of revenge. There's a prohibition of holding a grudge. It's in the same exact Torah portion and same series of verses that talks about the mitzvah and the Torah portion in the Torah of love your fellow because we're literally all one person. To the point, we're literally like one body. We're one body of people. Our souls are all connected. In the body, your whole body is connected. Um, think about acupressure. Anybody done acupressure? Similar to acupuncture where they do pressure points, right? So you're having a headache and you start massaging pressure points on your knees. I don't know exactly what the, what, what the thing is, right? Or you're having a backache and they start tickling your feet. The whole body's connected, right? An acupressurist will understand how the pressure points are all connected. We'll see the interconnection. For us regular folk who may not be acupressure specialists, we just see different body parts. Okay, address the body part that's hurting. We don't realize that it's all connected. The Jewish people are all connected. We don't we're not we're not spiritual acupressurists. We don't necessarily see how we're all connected, but we are indeed all connected. To the point that the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak, Isaac Luria, the Kabbalist, would recite a vidoy, the confessional prayer. He didn't sin, and he knew exactly where he was holding. He knew he didn't sin. Why would he recite it? Or let's say our own selves. Asham knew, Bagad knew, I'm guilty, I've betrayed it. Right? We go through the whole vidoy, the whole confessional prayer service, especially in Yom Kippur. I didn't do a lot of these sins. Why should I recite them? And why are we reciting it in the plural tense? This is what we did. As opposed to this is what I did. The reason is because we're all one. You didn't do it. Somebody else did. And we're all here on the same boat. We're all Jews. We're all connected. So if we're all connected, we're all one as a Jewish people. If I'm feeling a grudge towards someone, if I'm feeling some remnants of hatred towards someone, what am I doing? I'm not just hating them. Who am I really hating? Myself. It would be the equivalent of amputating our own selves, amputating a portion of ourselves. To hate another Jew is equivalent to amputating ourselves. No matter how difficult somebody is. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not negating the need for boundaries sometimes when that's necessary. And that, that could be another discussion for another time. How do you balance the commandment of love your fellow, yet still put in boundaries when necessary? And that's a hot topic for another time. But the point is, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was working in Cedar sinai Medical Center as a chaplain several years ago, one of my first patients that they sent me in to see, and I hope this isn't too graphic, for our listeners, but once I started, I can't stop. I got to say it. Otherwise, it's a cliffhanger, and that's just not nice. <laughs> so it might be a little graphic. They put me on the seventh floor, which was the recovery, post-surgery and recovery, and, and, and post- and pre-surgery unit, recovery unit. There was this fellow who was about to go in for an amputation, and he was nervous. He wanted to talk to someone, so they sent me in as a chaplain. And I'm thinking to myself, my, one of my first patients, what the heck am I going to say to this guy to make him feel good? 
you'll be okay. Like, what am I going to tell him? The guy was so nervous. He wasn't. After conversing with him for a while, I realized why he was nervous. It was interesting. He was. They were going to amputate his baby toe. The guy was not healthy, unfortunately, and had other issues. The guy was not ambulatory. He couldn't walk. I thought it was interesting. I didn't say this to him, but hopefully, hopefully he's not listening on this. I said, <laughs> that'll be awkward. You're not really going to miss that toe. I'm, I'm being object. I'm trying to be objective here. I know it's a little cold and callous, but just hear me out. He's not really going to miss that toe. He doesn't walk anyways. You know the joke? <laughs> it's too much Diet Coke tonight. You know the joke where the guy was upset because he couldn't, he didn't have a pair of shoes. So I said, then one day I met somebody who didn't have feet. So I felt better. So I said to him, you probably have an extra pair of shoes lying around. <laughs> That's callous. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but... You cracked me up. <laughs> so the, the guy was not going to be walking anyways. It, the surgeons are quite skilled. The recovery was quite easily easy. He's not going to have to go through physical therapy. Why was he going to have to? Why was he going to miss that toe? What's the big deal? I don't. You know, it's not like he was going to be in a lot of pain. There'll be painkillers. They'll numb him. It completes him, right? In other words, what he had a difficult time doing was giving up a piece of himself. Okay, the toe seems superfluous and unnecessary, and causing him pain. I still can't give it up. There's another Jew who seems like an annoying toe <laughs> that is not doing me any good. And I don't feel like I need him. But we have to feel like I don't care if I can't live on him, with him. I can't live without him. This is another Jew. And without it, I'm amputated. I'm incomplete. Our sages likened prayer to sacrifices. To the point that these days we don't have sacrifices because we don't have the base of Mikdash, so we pray instead. Prayer is instead of the sacrifices. Before, and the halacha is, according to Jewish laws, actually this week's Torah portion, as we've started Leviticus, all about sacrifices. Before you offer a sacrifice, the sacrifice, the animal that you're going to sacrifice, cannot be blemished. It has to be complete. The person offering the sacrifice cannot be blemished, has to be complete. Before giving a sacrifice to God, ourselves, before, you know what the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for sacrifice is korban. Korban comes from the Hebrew word karov, close, to come close to God. That's through prayer. Before we come close to God, we can't have any blemishes. We have to be complete. We have to be one as a people. So we say, I hereby accept upon myself the mitzvah of love your fellow man as yourself. To pray properly, I have to, to approach God properly. We really need to be one. We can't be incomplete. And if we can be one as a people, we can experience the oneness of God, which is what prayer is trying to accomplish. Our oneness as a people will reflect 
and um, create space for the true unity, the true oneness of God. Now, we have over here the annotated version. The annotated version of the sitter has been annotated, <laughs> um, needless to say. The original Hebrew version of the sitter, though, has these annotations, but the language that's used is quite particular. And you'll soon see what I mean. The, the annotations are not, it's not just some, it's, sometimes it's a publisher trying to make it easier on us. But some of the annotations, you won't know it's from this English sitter, but you'll know it from other sitters. Some of the annotations are from, are, are quite original. The Chabad sitter was compiled, arranged by the author of the Tanya, the Alta Rebbe. And he has a little bit of a different verbiage than what the Arizal's version of the sitter originally said. The Arizal's version of the sitter said, it's proper to accept the following mitzvah before prayer. I hereby accept upon myself the mitzvah, love your fellow, love yourself. But what does it say over here in our sitter? It's proper to recite the following. In the Hebrew, it would say, Nachon lomar, it's proper to recite this. It's not enough just to fulfill the mitzvah of love your fellow as yourself. To feel the love, which is a big deal in its own right. We have to actually say it, articulate it. Why? What's the significance of articulation? Well, if you feel love for someone else, which is beautiful, that's your soul. You're being soul-oriented, which is the goal of prayer. And now your souls are connecting. If you say it, now your body's connecting. The unity is not only from the soul perspective, but even the body perspective, which is a much bigger deal. That's the ultimate point. The point of being soul-oriented is not to divorce the body, experience the soul. It's to experience the soul in the framework of the body, which is in general why prayer must be articulated verbally to engage the body, engage the body in the relationship. Once we recite this line, so think about it. Let's read the line together and think about how we're being soul-oriented, how we're being complete, how we're one with our entire people, even the people who I've never met, and especially the people I did meet. <laughs> and I may have a particularly difficult time getting along with. Try to say this genuinely. I hereby take upon myself to fulfill the mitzvah, love your fellow man as yourself. How could I do that? Because I have a soul, and they have a soul. Deep down inside behind all the Mishigas. And that is my goal during prayer to develop and nurture the soul so I can genuinely feel the love. And I'm going to articulate it because I want it to become part of my body, not just my soul. I want it to be physical, not just spiritual. I want it to be part of the real world. And you know what happens afterwards? Take a look at the next paragraph. There's a connection here. Afterwards, we say, how goodly are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places. Oh, Israel, that's what a Jewish community is. Love, connection, unity, real unity. And yet, and, and this is essentially the mission statement as we begin the journey of the sitter. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 